Well, good morning. Welcome to Mechanicsville Church of Christ. We are so excited that you're here and worshiping with us this morning. If you're here in person, welcome. I think I can see some people out there. Are you there? Maybe? Yes. Awesome. Wasn't that a great time of worship we had together this morning? Yes. Awesome. If you're joining us online, we are so thrilled that you're joining us also. Um, I don't know what kind of time of worship you had. Hopefully your hands were up high and you were worshiping in your living room or at the beach or in the mountains or wherever you are. But we are so glad that you are here joining us also and worshiping with us this morning. Um, if this is your first time or if you've been coming for a while and want to get plugged in and want to get involved or maybe you just have questions about what we believe and what we do as a church, uh, whether you're here or online, if you would just bring out your phone and text the word welcome to 804-404-9430. It's our new digital connect card that we would love a chance to get to meet you, get to know you, answer any questions that you may have. Um, don't get the number wrong. I think 909 is a popular uh, uh, number around here as well, but it's 404-804-404-9430. Uh, how many of you before have sent a text message to a wrong number? Someone that you didn't know, okay? I don't know about who you texted or if you've gotten wrong text messages before or a phone call from somebody that you didn't know. Um, I like engaging with, with people when that happens. Um, I like answering the phone and trying to get an operator with those pesky like computer calls that call you about your car warranty. I like, if I'm free and have the time to, trying to talk with people and see how long I can keep them on the line and just having a conversation and and, and seeing just what happens, you have some of the greatest conversations with people you don't know. What, the worst is when what happens to me so many times is I try to text somebody individually and I just see their name pop up and I don't realize that that's just the first name in a group message. <laughs> and what I meant for one person goes to like 12 people. Anybody been there before? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Um, what about email? Ever replied all when you just meant to reply to one person? Anybody done there or replied to one person when you meant to reply to all? Yeah, all the time. I, I hate it. It's so easy to do. Um, ha has anybody been with the mindset that you're talking to one person, whether it be in person or over the phone, but you forget that you're talking to somebody else? So this is what happened to my dad a few years ago. Every time that he is on the phone with my mom, when he's hanging up, he says, love you. Makes sense, right? Well, a few years ago, he was on the phone with one of the elders from the church. You see where this is going. And when he got off the phone with him, he said, love you. He forgot who he was talking to for a hot minute. It is so easy to do as we're talking with people, as we're crafting messages online or, or on our phones that we get a number wrong, we get a letter wrong in an email, we, we get something wrong and it ends up going to the wrong person. Sometimes though, sometimes we're guilty of saying the wrong thing just at the wrong time and we don't realize it. A few years ago when I was in my second semester of college, I had a friend in high school who was a very firm atheist and he answered one of those Facebook poll questions that said, do you believe in prayer? To which he answered, no. And naive little college kid that I was at the time, I had no ill intention by this whatsoever, but I just replied in the comments, sorry about that, I'll pray for you. 
really didn't mean anything by that. I was not looking for an argument, not looking to engage with this online. I just, just commented that because I was a kid that didn't know what I was talking about. Well, he came back with this long comment on this Facebook page about how I was a fool to believe in God and God wasn't real for these reasons and, and I really was trying hard not to engage and so I just simply said, I'm sorry you believe that. I'll pray for you. I don't know why I thought it would work a second time when it didn't work the first time. Again, I'll claim that I was young and didn't know what I was doing. But then he replied with another long comment back and this time I thought, you know what? I've had some education. I've been through a semester of Bible college. I know a little bit. I know everything, right? I've had a semester of college. I, I know it all. And so I replied. And I tried to address his points, to which he replied with. And then someone else jumped in. And before I realized that it was 2 in the morning and I had been engaging online with him and other people for, for hours, I wish I could say that was the only night that happened, but it continued for almost a week. Some nights were earlier than two, other nights it was, I think four was the latest I stayed up doing that. And, and by far, that week and those decisions to engage online was some of the, one of the biggest regrets of my life. And not because I was necessarily rude or said things that I regret or that I was a, said derogatory things or anything like that, but, but because it didn't lead to anything. Because it was useless, it was pointless, it didn't help to extend the kingdom of God here on earth. And if anything, it built up more barriers. They were, they were more firm in what they believed, not believing in God because of our conversations. And, it, and it, didn't, it didn't lead to any good. One of the hardest things in my life that I've had to, to wrestle with is knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And I... I pray and hope more than anything that as I get older, that will become easier. But I haven't seen that yet, and I'm not so sure that's the case. In fact, James warns us about our tongue in James chapter 3, verse 8. says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. For the last few weeks, we've been in the book of James, and we've looked at how James, the half-brother of Jesus, with this unique view to Jesus and, and things that he said, was writing this letter to the church, to Christians during a time where it was difficult to be a Christian, in a time where there was persecution, in a time where, where Christians were scattered, and, and, and it, was, it was hard to be a Christian during this time. And despite persecution, despite insults, and despite everything that was happening to Christians in this day, James has this word, and, and in this word he says to, to make sure that we can control our tongue, that we can control what we say and how we say it. He uses three examples here. We're just going to kind of hit real quick. James 3.3, 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole body as well. So the, the mouth of, of the horse, if we put a bit in there, we can guide that horse wherever we want to. So our mouths also dictate direction in our life. Our mouths, what we say, how we say it, what comes from our mouth can lead to getting the dream job. It can lead to getting a promotion. It can lead to healthy relationships. It can lead to a healthy marriage. But it can also lead to getting fired. 
It can also lead to unhealthy relationships. It can lead to divorce. It can lead to good or bad. But our words and our mouth have a way of, of setting direction in our life. Now, now, during James' time here, they didn't have social media, they didn't have the internet and email, and, and written communication was really not popular. Uh, one scholar estimated the cost of the book of Romans that Paul wrote uh, to be about $2,300 in today's currency. Paper wasn't popular, couldn't go to Walmart and get a hundred pack for 50 cents, and couldn't get pencils 20 pack for a dollar. It was expensive, and you had to be intentional and really want to communicate something in, in pen and paper if you wanted to communicate that. It, it, it was costly. But if James was writing this to us today, I'm sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that he would include not just what comes from our mouth, but what we write, emails, cards, letters, what we post on social media, comments that we write on social media, not just the words we speak, but words that we communicate however we do so, and they're powerful, and they can set the direction of our life. The second example that, that James uses here is from chapter 3, verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So again, James talks about and emphasizes here the direction of this big, huge ship, wherever it wants to go, is guided by this small rudder. But the, the additional piece here that James emphasizes the size of the rudder. You have this great big ship, these great strong winds, but at the end of the day, it's this tiny rudder that directs the direction of the ship. And similar, our mouth is small, our tongue is small, our fingers as we type or write are small compared to the rest of our body, but they're powerful. And they can dictate our direction. They're small, they're influential. Though it's small, it's, it's quite powerful in, in how our life goes, in things that we say, and how we say it, and, and what comes from it. There's the old, the old saying, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I think that phrase is okay in its place. It's an okay phrase for me personally to adopt when people talk to me. I can realize that they're just words. I can realize that sometimes people are hurt and, and they're responding emotionally, that sometimes what people say to me isn't exactly what they mean. I, I can take that in and I can have that as a mentality myself personally. But when I impose that on you, and I assume you're going to have that mindset because of something I say, that I can say whatever I want to because words can't hurt, it's not true, is it? Words can be deadly. Words can be destructive. Words can tear down. And we can't just put that on other people to assume that they're not going to take our words as we mean them. Which leads to the third example that James uses. So also the tongue is small in member, yet boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. So even though it's small, it can, it can leave devastation wherever we go. I hope that none of you have been infected, affected by a forest fire or a house fire. We read about them, we see them in the news in California, Australia most recently, and we see how destructive they can, they can be. 
how not only they destroy God's beautiful creation, but people have to evacuate their homes and homes are destroyed and, and people lose every, all of their earthly, worldly possessions in a house fire, a wildfire. So many times it's, it's discovered that it was a crock pot that didn't turn off or a, a heating pad or there was a small campfire that wasn't put out all the way or a cigarette bud or a host of things that are just so small that did a world of damage and a world of destruction. And sometimes we don't realize what our words do to people around us. We don't look back to see the destruction, the, the ashes that, that are left from our words and how we say what we say to whom we say it. But they're powerful. They're destructive. They can burn people, burn bridges. They can burn relationships if we're not careful. If you're not a believer, James has a lot of things to say about the tongue here that still apply to you. They, they apply to life. It doesn't matter your faith, your religion. It doesn't matter socioeconomic level. Like this, this is just true about life. This is just true about life, about our words and how they can build up or they can tear down. But for us as believers... There's an additional element here that James points out that just breaks the heart of God in how we use our words and how we use our language. And in James chapter 3, 9 and 10, it says, With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing, my brother, these things ought not be so. That with one breath we praise God, and in another breath we curse people. In one breath we're here in the church building or at home and worshiping and praising God, and in the next breath we get out of our car and we, we get mad and angry at the person who's distracted on their cell phone when the light turns green and they don't go right away. In one breath we praise God here in the church building, in the next next breath we're, we're we're leaving and we're on social media and we see something someone posts or, or comments and we just get so angry and we think such negative things and we reply and and we speak hatred and condemnation and judgment and, and curse people in one breath we praise god the creator of all things and in the next breath breath we curse people created in the image of the creator and my brothers and sisters this cannot be so we cannot both bless God and curse people. James compares it to a spring of water producing both fresh and salt water. It just doesn't happen. He compares it to a fig tree producing olives or, or a grapevine producing figs. Like It just doesn't happen. So how can we as people of God, how can we praise God in one breath and curse people in the next? It cannot be. So this morning I'd like just to propose and urge you to the best of your ability, to the best of my ability, to, do, to use two filters as we engage with people, as we speak with people, as we comment and as we write emails or letters, two filters. The first one we find is a, is a, in the letter of Ephesians, Paul wrote this, Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking truth in love. Truth in love. We need to, as Christians, be able to speak true things and in love. We cannot have one without the other. I can yell at you all day long, the sky is blue. 
Do you hear me, people? The sky is blue. Do you not see the sky around you? The sky is blue. And it's absolutely true. But it doesn't really make you want to listen to me, does it? I don't connect with you. You get tired of having people yell at you, even if it's true. Or I can be very loving. You think the sky is purple? That's, that's okay. The, the sky is purple. It is sometimes. That's, that's okay. The, the sky is purple. The sky is orange. Absolutely. The sky is orange, and that's, that's totally okay. The sky is green. Yes, absolutely. The sky is green. I can say it in the most loving tone because I love you as people, but at the end of the day, if it's not true, it doesn't do any good. The sky's not purple, it's not orange, and it's not green. There's the old phrase that all of our mamas said, right? If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. If you can't say something nice and true, just don't say it. Just don't say it. It doesn't do any good. If we can't speak truth in love, if we can't say true things in a loving way, or if we can't think of, of the right true statements to say in love, then that we are just better off not saying it. So I urge you to filter your words, spoken or written, through the love-truth filter. The second filter I'd like to urge you to use, one I'm still wrestling with a lot myself, but the more I think about it, the more I think it's a good filter. WWJS. What would Jesus say? I know that might sound a bit cheesy, it might sound a bit corny, and I know WWJD was a big thing years ago for Christians, and we had our t-shirts, and we had our bracelets and jewelry, and we were cool, right? What would Jesus do? And this comes with a couple caveats. What would Jesus say? We have to make sure that we have the accurate perception of Jesus. So often when I read this book and I read the Gospels and I read what Jesus did, I'm reading it as a white privileged American. Jesus was not. Look at Israel, Jerusalem, places that are in this book that Jesus spent time where he grew up, where he was born. He would have been Middle Eastern. Not living at a time with social media, with news outlets, with everything going on in our world around us, not with technology, and that we read these words and we read this book through our lens, and we need to make sure that we're not putting our ideas and our ideologies on Jesus, on God in this book. We need to make sure if we want to, to know what Jesus would say, what Jesus would do, we have to make sure we have an accurate view of Jesus. Second... And this is the one I've been wrestling with the most. And I'll tell you guys, I'm still on this journey. I'm still figuring this out myself. I think it's important that we ask, what would Jesus say? There's a lot of things Jesus didn't say. There's a lot of things that are passionate and close to the heart of God that Jesus didn't address. You look throughout the Old Testament and you see God, you see the things that he did and, and the words that he said through his prophets and through his people, and then you look at the words of Jesus, and he didn't address half of it. Jesus, in fact, in his own words at the end of his ministry, said, I have a lot more to tell you, but there's not time. So I'm going to send my helper, I'm going to send the Spirit, and then we have letters that Paul and James and... Peter and other people wrote to the churches through the power of the Spirit that they are words from God, but they're not what Jesus said. 
Not what Jesus said during his time here, during his ministry. Now, I think that there's also a lot that Jesus said that we don't have recorded for us. He spent three years in ministry, and we have a few pages in this book. He spent 33-ish years in this world, and, and we just have a few pages in this book. And I'm sure that there was a time as they're walking to another city that Jesus said to Peter, hey, how's, how's your mother-in-law doing? I'm sure there was a time that, that he looked at James and John and said, hey, how's your father's fishing business going? I'm sure there are conversations that we don't have. But there's a lot that we do. And I have to believe that Jesus didn't say everything that was important, but he said what was most important. That he, that he said the things that were most important to be said, that he had to get across, that, that he talked about and he mentioned Jesus doesn't say much about politics or government, even though the Roman government was a powerhouse, even though they were many times oppressive on the Jews and on religion other than theirs. Jesus didn't say much about them. He did say, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Talking about paying taxes, which we all love to do, right? He didn't say much about war, even though the Roman government was always at war with somebody. He did say those who live by the sword die by the sword, but that was to his disciple Peter, not to the public about the Roman government. Jesus said a lot of things, and I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't talk about hobbies and things that interest us, and we can talk about St. Louis Cardinals baseball and, and other hobbies that we have. But when we feel our blood pressure start to rise, when, when we feel like we can't speak in love and truth, when we start getting very emotional about things on social media or in conversations face to face, is it really that important? In light of the kingdom of God, in light of people coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, is it really that important? Because one day, all of this is going to fade away. One day, Jesus is returning. He's going to restore, make a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to rule at the right hand of God. And, and one day, what we say is either going to build barriers that prevent people from coming to know Jesus, or they're going to slowly break down those barriers so that people have a chance of coming and knowing personally Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. So I got to ask you the question, is it important to compromise someone coming into relationship with Jesus Christ? We never know, especially when we post on social media, especially when we share things via email or, or online or, or what we say even, how that's going to get repeated to other people. We don't know who's going to read that. We don't know what kind of barriers we might cause for people coming to know Christ. And at the end of the day, nothing else is even remotely important. So I ask you to please consider using these filters. The grace, the truth, and love filter. And what would Jesus, the real Jesus, say? It is extremely difficult for us to control our tongue. James says it is impossible the only person in history to do it well was Jesus Christ. 
And just think about it for a minute. What Jesus went through as He was able to perfectly control His tongue, He was humiliated publicly worse than any of us have been. He was beaten, He was flogged worse than any of us have been for sure. He had stakes driven through His hands, through His feet as He hung on the cross to die. And if anybody had any right to say anything, if anybody had any right to call down the angels for protection, for safety, it was this perfect man, Jesus, who never misspoke, who never did anything wrong, who never made a mistake, period. And yet His words, as He hung on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's our example. That's who we have to look up to as as an example for our words and our language. Father, forgive them. Whatever persecution, whatever humiliation, whatever derogatory thing someone may say to you about faith or anything else, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As I know this is not easy. I, I still wrestle with this. Some of you have unfortunately seen the side of me where I have not controlled my tongue so well and I I apologize I'm not perfect I'm not Jesus and I know that you're not either but that is our example that we are to live up to as much as we can as you came in today I hope that you picked up um, a a communion cup and we're just going to have a time that we can reflect that we can apologize to God and say thank you for His forgiveness and grace on the cross. If you're a believer, I encourage you to to take a moment as well during this time and, and ask God to point out in your life where you can do better to control your tongue. Urge Him to give you the discipline and the strength you need in your soul to tame your tongue if you're not a believer, I, I'm thrilled that you're here and you're, you're asking questions and you're exploring and hearing what we have to say. And I want to tell you that there's a God who loves you that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter, no matter anything in your past, He is deeply, deeply in love with you and wants a relationship with you more than anything. I just urge you during this time to sit and reflect and think about what you've heard this morning and let the Spirit move around you and in you and take this moment to hear from God. Father God, we are so grateful for your grace, for your forgiveness, for the way Christ came into this world to speak truth and to speak it in love. God, it is so incredible to think of what He endured on the cross on our behalf, that He went to the cross to die, to be in a relationship, to have a relationship with You and me. Father, we just thank You. We praise You in this moment. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.